everyone, and welcome to The Legend of Portalcast, a podcast dedicated to Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, and all things Avatar. I'm Colin, your main host. Uh, coming at you this week, we're uh, we're not going to be doing a Korra discussion, but we're going to be discussing things that are in Korra. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but excitingly enough, this week, this week I have uh, joining me uh, Fran from A Healthy Dose of Fran. Welcome back. Thank you for having me back and getting me out of doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were uh, we were both just discussing how uh, this has been a uh, very strange time, uh, especially in terms of <laughs> digesting media and digesting podcasts and creating things. Uh, I know it's it's definitely been tough. I, I don't know about you, but it, there's there's the the feeling that sometimes it's like, well, you have all this time, shouldn't you be doing all of this and I don't know about you, but for me, it's just like, yeah, but I don't have like the inspiration of being out in the world and being around people that is so integral for that kind of stuff. Uh, but what, what's it been like for you? It's totally the same. Like, I'm convinced I have so much time in the world and then like I end up just doing nothing like at all. Like I'm still kind of like focusing on, um, immediately, it's also the fact that I do too much at the same time because I've got like my YouTube I've got my job I've got my book writing I've got my freelance writing I've got my podcast I've got uh, podcasts that I join in on sometimes I've got live streams I've got with other YouTubes and I'm like I feel I have done too much and now I cannot cope anymore and my mind has decided to be like we're in the middle of a pandemic let's just treat everything as if you have all the time in the world when really you don't and kind of bring you into a sort of spiel of what is life anymore like what is happening these days and that's just where i'm at everything's happening and nothing's happening at the same time <laughs> yeah no it's uh it, it's definitely just so bizarre um it's uh it and it's and it's hard to really compare it to anything else too um yeah. i mean and, and i think like the the closest comparison I think I have like heard, but not really been able to fully kind of be in that space is uh, it's the same idea as like in wartime where mm. you kind of like tell people like, all right, I'll see you on, well, to quote Hamilton, I'll see you on the other side of the war. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, it's just like, that's what it kind of feels like. But like the question is, is like, just like in war, you're like, I have no idea when this is going to end. Um, I mean, exactly. we've got like some things, but it's just, it's very difficult to know. And it's, but it's like the fact that the entire world is affected. That's what change changes everything about it. It's yeah. both heartening to know that you're not alone, but also disheartening on an existential crisis level. <laughs> oh my gosh. So much. So it's like, also the time doesn't seem to work correctly. Like, I've only come to the realization that it's September because mm. in my head I was like, oh, but it's still like May sort of time. <laughs> like I am like months out of sync. And I'm like, I turned 25 in like three months. It's it's Halloween next <laughs> month. What the hell? <laughs> uh, I know. And and then it's, it's even stranger when uh, I know on my end, I've been playing a lot of Stardew Valley. So I will cycle through the seasons and years in Stardew Valley but then I will like look at our own time and be like, ah, oh, wait, it is fall now. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I've already been through fall three times and started. Why is it fall now? 
<laughs> oh my oh, goodness. God. Crazy. Uh, all right. So folks, um, the reason I uh, was really thrilled to bring uh, Fran back on, uh, apart from just being able to catch up, uh, is that uh, pretty recently uh, Fran released a video um, that really kind of piqued my interest, ties in with a lot of what we've been kind of discussing, especially with our recent Quora discussion. Um, so Fran, can you tell us a little bit about that video um, and uh, some of the points that you kind of uh, brought up with it? I can indeed. So the video that um, I brought out recently was entitled, Katara wasn't disrespected, she retired. And if you can't tell from the sassy title, it is me responding <laughs> to <laughs> the criticisms that a lot of uh, fans of Korra, but also anti-Korra fans, uh, brought up against the Legend of Korra show, in particular to the character Katara, who obviously we know from Avatar The Last Airbender, and how people were angry that she doesn't have enough of a role in Legend of Korra and just being regulated to the wife of Aang and the mother of Tenzin, Kaya and Boomi and that's it. And it's basically me responding to the various different criticisms about that and in <laughs> probably in my sassiest video ever <laughs> telling people that their reasons for the certain things like being just a mother were dumb. And so I basically went through like that and came across all the different criticisms about it and debunked or responded to them <laughs> nice yeah and uh and guys um we'll plug it again at the end but uh you can find uh this video on fran's youtube page which is a healthy dose of fran um so yeah it, again one of the reasons why i really wanted to kind of talk about this especially is that and i, I we just uh the day we're recording this is the day that i released our most recent episode um so i don't even know if you had even had a chance to listen to that but uh susan brought up when we were talking about this idea of um kaya boomy and tenzin looking back on this experience of being the kids of ang and katara one of the one of the points that susan brought up that really kind of led us down a little bit of a rabbit hole of discussion was that she it, it was tough to see ang uh, portrayed that way um, and the idea that it for her at least the perspective of like well was Katara not being uh, you know was was there not an assertiveness in terms of the kids sticking together um, and how much of that was just Kaya and Boomi's kind of more jaded perspectives how much of it was Tenzin's kind of a little bit you know maybe uh, just not seeing the word I'm looking for, uh, oblivious perspective uh, to it. And the fact that, again, we have like nothing in terms of what actually happened, but merely nuggets that we kind of have to pull from. Mm. Um, but I, I guess the question is, and what I kind of want to start this off with is the idea of Katara and Aang as parents um, and kind of looking at it from what we see in terms of their relationship and kind of piecing that together. And, and the reason why I wanted to bring you on for this too is because I feel like we really got into Aang and Katara's relationship fully developing in imbalance mm. and seeing kind of uh, Faith Aaron Hicks develop that. So kind of keeping that in mind, 
what do you feel like are some of the dots that we kind of should keep in mind when connecting Katara and Aang from end of series and imbalance to kind of what we see in Legend of Korra from these perspectives uh, from Kaya, Bumi, and Tenzin, and then what we see from Katara herself? Mm. I think just from your mentioning of imbalance as well, like we see in that that she recognizes Aang's sort of internal debate of how to be the Avatar whilst also being an air nomad and the losing of his culture and the struggle with that sort of identity. Like they have that small little moment at some point where he's trying to decide whether or not to take this woman's bending and I can't remember the character's name, it's been a while now. Um, and they, they just have these really sweet conversations between each other of her recognising these internal problems that he's having and vice versa. And I think that kind of shows a possible idea of where this par- parental aspect could come in later in that the slight favouritism that Aang would have had of Tenzin anyway, of, of any airbending child that he had, he would have had some favouritism there in some form just because he was the last and now he's not like it's it was kind of inevitable sort of element and i think knowing katara like she she i don't think she'd be happy that he was not neglecting but not giving the same level of attention to kyra and boomy as he was tenzin but i think in a sense she would understand at the same time just because of who she is she would understand where this was coming from and maybe she did confront it at some point and that's possibly occurred at some point in general and maybe and attempted to improve and involve his his other children more so um just because obviously katara can be quite confrontational as we know from avatar itself (laughs) at a point um but I feel just in general, just from who she is, that she was a motherly person in general, and she very clearly treated all of her children the same, um, and they all have the same amount of love and affection for her equally. Like they have no um, negative reactions or actions towards her from what we see in the show, um, and no um, resentment towards her as well for not having Ang treat them all equally. So I feel like at least Kaya and Bumi don't hold her responsible as well for not making Aang be that way so it kind of gives me the intention that maybe she did try but as 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 I know with my own parents as well sometimes you can't get a parent to change in in some aspects such as uh leaving shoes on in the house with mud on it's been 10 years and it's it still happens but um <laughs> no matter how much it's nagged it still happens but you know uh, so obviously shoe dirty shoes and children it's very different but mm-hmm. um but i think that's kind of what comes into my head as well it's just they clearly don't hold any resentment towards her either so it gives the impression to me that she tried also um but there's so much that you can do for someone who lost their entire culture and now has a way to have that pass on in some form i think if anything it possibly makes sense as to why she doesn't like baby tenzin like when we see him interacting with her but she definitely has a sort of extra thing towards him as well because she knows that he's having to hold this entire weight of culture on his shoulders just as ang did but she's just 
she's the motherly Katara. That's what she's always been. So I think she's just able to broaden it out a, a lot better and make it more equal in comparison. Mm. But just would have understood Aang's reasoning because she saw it firsthand. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point too about uh, Katara seeing that struggle between uh, that Aang has between being the Avatar and being kind of the last airbender and trying to hold up and sustain uh, his culture uh, throughout all of this. And I, I think that that is one of the biggest things. And I think, you know, what we have to also look at is when you have parents it is a partnership and it is a it is a fight that they go into together in terms of everything that they're going to face it is challenging being parent being parents i am not myself but i've got a sister who actually just had her third baby uh just earlier today um, oh. congratulations <laughs> and, to her yeah um and you know and then abigail's uh siblings also having kids it's just you see that it is it is very challenging, but also very rewarding, but that the parents have to be working together, understanding kind of their own shortcomings and lifting each other up during those moments uh, or kind of covering for them in the kind of the facets that they struggle with. And mm. there's no one I think that knows Aang better than Katara. And she... I think also understands how much he deeply cares about everything, about mm. people, about his own culture, and already balancing being the Avatar, being the last airbender, and suddenly then being a father on top yeah. of all of that. Those are three massive responsibilities that, I mean, we can't even really fathom in terms of just like how much that would weigh on someone because we don't have an avatar that is like saying that, okay, you're like, I don't know, like a UN ambassador or something like from, you know, age 12 until you die. It's like (laughs) you, I think realizing that there is so much that he is balancing. And then I think that the way I've always seen it is that Katara is there to support him because that's again, talking about her motherly nature that has always been present in the original series, that's what I think she would want to do. And I think that there is sometimes a misconception, and you talk about this a little bit too in your video, about you know this idea that being a mother is not, you're, not, you're no longer fighting the patriarchy. And mm. you're no longer kind of like championing feminism in the way that Katara was before but I don't think that that is at all the the case and mm. I, I think that yeah there's sometimes where you can kind of fall back and not you're not you know being in the same kind of influential role but Katara raising her kids to be bastions of feminism bastions of like being able to fight kind of the patriarchy that in and of itself is such a huge facet of still being a feminist and still being able to kind of stay true to Katara as a character and I think that that's sometimes what people often uh, miss when they are using that kind of critique Mm. no totally I completely agree 
So I want to dissect some of the kind of most common arguments that we see uh, whenever people are kind of talking about Katara and the Legend of Korra. And, uh, you know, as you kind of said, because Legend of Korra has come back to Netflix, we have seen such a huge surge of people watching the show, but we've also seen a huge surge of so many people who feel like it is this competition between Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. That it oh, is, yeah. it, it, a lot of it too, it's also fed into by uh, a lot of other things too. I will sometimes open up, like if I open up like a Google Chrome uh, tab on my phone, it will like do suggested like articles. And because I'm always looking at Avatar stuff, it will have Avatar articles. And sometimes like these random websites, they will be like, all right, who, you know, who is actually a better Avatar? Was it Korra or Aang? And it's like, <sighs> it's these hot takes that they know are going to get people like really steamed and thus yeah. click through. So those are the types of things that they are like really kind of uh, leaning into. And it's feeding into that kind of uh, the arguments and that mm. debate, which unfortunately is what people seem to really love to do these days more than anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, we've got nothing else to do. I think that's the thing. There's nothing else to do. So you just start arguments with people online. I found that I've I've been doing that myself. It was so such stupid things. I'm like, why am I doing this? I don't even care about the Muppets movie. Why am I arguing <laughs> that it's real cinema? Like what? <laughs> oh my god! It's An actual real. argument I've had as well. I think it was <sighs> like a couple of weeks ago. I literally argued that the Muppets should be considered real cinema. <laughs> oh my god! Well, you know what? You're fighting the good fight, Fran. Hater, <laughs> haters be damned. <laughs> Um, but of course, you know, because we have a lot of this tension, because there's a lot of people who are uh, very quick to condemn a lot of the things in Korra, it, it's really kind of started to bring up a lot of these debates, which mm. debates, these debates have been happening since Korra came out. And it's just so funny because with Korra being added to Netflix in the US, it's like suddenly <laughs> just like it's rehashing all of those old arguments. Um mm. But I think it's, again, It I, I want to dive into what some of these arguments, uh, what they are and where they either can kind of, where they came from and how we can kind of look at them, examine them with a critical eye and potentially either debunk them or uh, express their validity. Um, so the first one is, again, one of the most common ones we hear is that Katara was done dirty. She was neglected in Legend of Korra. She didn't have any kind of like screen time um, and that, you know, she deserved to have more screen time in Legend of Korra. So I want to hear kind of your response to that um, and kind of, again, your personal response, but then also kind of where you think that critique comes from and why that is such a present one. As I said in the, in <laughs> the video, this one was dumb. Um, <laughs> and I think the reason why I feel that way because this was the one that kind of other than the mother one this was the one that kind of got me the most because it's something that so many people seem to assume was going to be something that was involved in Legend of Korra which was the old gang still having a big presence in this show and the whole thing is that Korra's time and not Korra, Katara's time has passed the the old gang's time has passed it's now 
the new team avatar they are the main focus and I also think that people seem to forget that Katara was actually Korra's water bending teacher like we don't see it because obviously we have the time skip but Katara is there at her training she's there watching her during her firebending exam she's the one who sends Korra off to Republic City she is the one who believes in her and all these sort of things and that's just the first episode she has such a huge presence and she does come back intermittently she's a healer for Korra she helps briefly during the civil war as well which is something that I saw someone bring up was that they they thought that um Tonrock should have consulted with Katara on how to deal with the north and I was like but why she was never a leader like what what advice could she offer relating to politics for it if she's never been a leader it just felt like a really random thing but even then she was healing the wounded soldiers of the of the southern tribe and again she was a big she was a healer for Korra she helped her through her physical healing in book four but I think the whole thing for me was just I just don't understand why people felt she was done dirty because she didn't have a bigger element in the series as a whole like none of the original team do they all like Katara technically has more episodes that she features in than any of the others Zuko I think is in maybe like three episodes total Mm. um Toph is in three maybe four herself and Katara is definitely in a lot more in comparison maybe not for the biggest amount of screen time I guess Toph I guess would probably take precedent over that but yeah it just confuses me I'm like why is that a big deal (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and I I think you brought up some some good points too about this and I think where a lot of this comes from is this desire to have the gang be kind of this bigger uh, presence in in this new series. And I think that that is a lot of the way that we have seen a lot of sequels. Um, there is kind of this like, there's a nod to the past. There's a nod to uh, what happened before. And honestly, I think a lot of it comes from kind of a lot of the like Marvel structure. And we, we can't really, you know, not incorporate that in terms of how that has affected popular culture and how we digest a lot of popular culture. Because the idea of the sequel, the idea of like, okay, well, this is connecting to this whole thing from before. This is, it's all interwoven. But I think that Mike and Brian make a very conscious choice to really separate the past from this present. It is we don't see necessarily as much the characters, but we see the echoes of their actions mm. all over the, all over legend of Korra. And um, it, I, I think that the point you brought up too about uh, Tonrock uh, not consulting Katara, I, I do kind of understand the desire to see that though, only because Katara lived through a lot of the evolution of the tribes and especially the Southern water tribe kind of growing as uh, you know, away from this kind of very, very, very small uh, village to a whole city and community uh, once more. 
Um, and in terms of like kind of getting that, but I can also understand that one, I could also see that Tonrock maybe had consulted Katara in the past and maybe he didn't like what he heard from her. <laughs> so maybe that's why he didn't go to her <laughs> because, you know, I feel like Katara would be someone to give it to him straight and, you know, tell him probably not what he wanted to hear, but what he should hear. And we have to remember that Tonrock is Korra's father, a little bit of a hothead, and, you know, isn't always going to, you know, potentially kind of take that more, uh, uh, I don't know, wizened uh, <laughs> approach. But you can make an argument either way. Um, so looking into the next argument, um, I, I and we kind of already like tapped on this a little bit, but in terms of Katara not having the same recognition. Um, and I, and I think, I think we see that. I know that a lot of the things that I've seen people post about is this idea that like, look, like Zuko had a statue. Uh, Sokka had a statue. Toph had statues, which I mean, we already know why Toph had statues because she was legitimately the one making them herself. <laughs> Um, and even Aang and just the, the idea of like, you know, why is she not getting this same level of recognition when the rest of the gang clearly has been? And mm. I just kind of want to get your feel on that kind of uh, response in terms of, uh, you know, even though we don't, we see Katara in the series, we're not seeing kind of these monuments and, uh, the same kind of reverence maybe, that we mm. see from some of the other characters. Yeah. And I kind of have like two minds on this. In One is that we don't necessarily know that she doesn't have a statue. I think this one that people seem to forget. Like she could have one somewhere else. We didn't like see the whole of Republic City. Like maybe she has a statue near the hospital because she trained a bunch of healers for... Um, the nursing side of stuff. So maybe there's a statue there, but we never go to the hospital. Even though people should, because there, so many people get injured in the show. <laughs> they need to be in the hospital way more than they are. But yeah, so there's a possibility that she does have a statue somewhere. I'm not the biggest fan of that one, which I know is that's something people have brought up in response to this uh, Katara statue business. The one that I'm kind of more in favour of is just. A statue is not something I think Katara would ever have wanted. Mm. She's never been mm -hmm. a sort of a glory sort of person, someone who wants that huge recognition, wants her, her face sort of blown up and that sort of, in a sense, stardom, really. She's always like, obviously she's had her moments, but she's always been way more down to earth than any of the others. She, she's never really wanted a leadership role. She's always been fine kind of sort of blending into the background and helping people where she can but never really wanting the credit for it like her whole painted lady moment mm. oh, she, that's such a good point yeah. yes like she didn't want anyone to know she was doing that like at all and when people did find out she kind of didn't want them to say anything either like she didn't want that recognition at all and that's kind of the evidence for me of just like i don't think she would have wanted a statue because she doesn't it's not that she doesn't want recognition for it because obviously some people do in some form but i feel like she she's the kind of person who doesn't need that at all like she's happy just to for people to know about her know what she does and then just kind of chill she's a very chill person even if she does have a few 
anger moments. But yeah, that's just kind of the way I think of it. It's just that she is happy to not have one. If anything, she probably told people not to make one, if anything. Whereas Toph <laughs> told everyone to make many. Make many statues of me. Make <laughs> as many as you want. And then like Sokka has one because he was the first leader, it seems, of Republic City, like the high council member. And then obviously Zuko mm. and Aang are Zuko and Aang. Mm. So yeah, that was just the logic for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I completely agree. That is uh, always how I have felt as well. But I like especially the painted lady uh, using that as an example. I think is so uh, on point. That is so just such a great example of Katara not wanting that kind of credit and just being happy with making an impact and doing mm. the things that she. Uh, and that's the thing. That's what we have to realize is that, you know, people who are maybe kind of challenging the patriarchy, who are championing feminism in the way that Katara was in that series, is that it comes in many different uh, forms. It Mm. isn't always like just out there being a leader or being like, you know, you know, out and like doing like a protest. There, there are so many different forms and that that's something I've, I feel like I've really learned, especially just in this last year with how much we have seen such a surge of protests across the world, but especially mm. in the U S with black lives matter, like in examining the different ways that you can be an activist and you can make an impact. It isn't always just this out there, like, you know, in in the public eye type of thing. I, I've had mm. friends who go to the protest to like they bring water and snacks or they will bring other things like that. Like they're not looking for that same kind of credit or anything, but it's like you're helping in a different way. Yeah. And I think that that's really what uh, Katara, Katara really did. Um, yeah. Mm. So the last one, uh, the last argument that we kind of uh, see pretty frequently is that why don't we see Katara fight? Um, <laughs> clearly, we see, you know, because we see Zuko uh, fighting in book three. We see Toph fighting in book four. Mm. Very, very briefly, we should note. Um, but, you know, but then the, the fact that we have Katara not fighting, and I think you really touched on it in your video. Yeah. Um, so uh, however much you want to kind of share with that, but I would definitely encourage folks to kind of see your point in that as well from there. But what what would anything you would want to add or kind of say in response to this point in particular? I think the thing that I kind of want to bring up, and this is more just because my mum is a nurse herself so she works for the nhs uh god bless the nhs right now you guys are bloody angels um <laughs> and <laughs> sorry just had to put that out there they, they deserve so much credit for everything they've done um and seeing her and like all the stuff that she goes through and knowing the paramedics are like first responders sort of things like that that's kind of how i think about katara right now like yes she's a fighter but she has always been more prevalent at healing and being the healer of the group both in the actual physical form of like when she heals Aang from death basically she helps um soothe and start to heal Toph's feet after she gets burnt um but she's also the soothing presence for the group like she helps Toph through her family issues by just being that sort of mother figure that she always wanted in her life and healing and healers are people that I feel are often forgotten about in terms of like things like 
war and battles and stuff like that where it it has so much of almost of a bigger impact in a sense because without a healer without someone who fixes you and helps you get better you have no chance of kind of carrying on any further so in a way Katara is fighting just not physically but with healing like she's involved with the civil war in this between the south and the north by healing the soldiers she's involved with Kora's recovery after what happened with Zaheer and helping her get back to that state to be able to go on to be the avatar again she's involved in the center of the fight with Amon by trying to help Korra heal from that and we see that even also in um in Avatar The Last Airbender even in the last Agni Kai she doesn't really fight Azula she she kind of (laughs) it's more defensive than anything but Mm. she then ties her down and she doesn't then finally strike her she's never been that big of that sort of fighting person she'll defend and then she'll step back if if the defense has done its job um which anything doing that fighting allowed azula in a sense to have that big breakdown that she clearly needed to have Mm. um which in a sense is sort of a a healing in that in that she's given her that ability to release that tension that was always building up Mm, absolutely and i think that another part that we have to remember and we don't really know the details of it Mm. but we do know that katara officially outlawed bloodbending yes because that was the most violent that she ever got was when she used bloodbending and i think that as as a healer as someone who you know really looks after the people she cares about and tries to help those who need help i think that that realizing the danger of that and the power of that i think maybe even says more that she doesn't fight that it might be something of a case where maybe she had to use it in like some way at some point and was like never again that is really interesting i like that especially considering that we don't know the reason why she led to the outlawing of bloodbending like it doesn't appear so far in the comics so there's Mm. no reason as to why she like she hasn't done it then so it must happen later down the line so what leads to that decision i think it means that somebody else discovered it too and that that's the Mm. thing is that i i think that it comes from a point that somebody else figured out how to use this technique because Katara and Hama were the only people who knew of this technique as far as we know in the Avatar universe. Mm. And for Katara to make a, an outward statement, I think it also could be said that just like, I am outlawing this so that I can also be held accountable if mm. I ever do it. Because I think that, you know, who knows, maybe stories got out about her going onto the ship of the Southern Raiders and what she did to the captain there or anything like that. Sometimes people will abstain from violence to show strength mm. and to show that uh, and to kind of lead the way uh, in, in that sense. I like that. That makes a lot of sense as well in terms of 
Like, I think Katara would definitely be the sort of person who, especially if she looks back on what she did during that whole Southern Raiders episode, she would be repulsed by what she did, which would probably lead to that decision. I now want, like, a <laughs> mini-comic episode exploring that. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows what we're going to see in, uh, well, because she didn't know it then, but we are going to get a uh, Katara uh standalone graphic novel mm. uh katara and the pirate silver which i'm like so excited for <laughs> yes oh um, my god uh, i love the idea be so of the solos because we're getting a yes. toff solo as well aren't we yep yep so uh that kind of brings us into the next point i think in terms of examining katara in legend of korra mm. and i think one of the biggest things that we have to look at is old age and how it shapes you. Um, clearly, Fran and I are not really experts in that department. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know, I, I don't know about you, but just from the conversations that I have had with my grandparents, um, with my grandfathers when they were still alive, and with my grandmothers, and the way that they look back um, mm. at the world, and how kind of living through difficult times shapes you as an individual. Um, I know mm. that there was, it's always kind of the classic uh, thing where we hear about the the people who lived through the Great Depression and mm. the, the soup lines and everything that they had to kind of like survive through. We are living in that type of a moment now, which mm. is crazy because you think about it like we as old folks 60 years down or however many years down the road, people are going to look at us and be like, oh my God, they're the ones who lived through the great pandemic. And it's just like, yes, I was there. And what did you do? Well, a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> I watched some YouTube and I sat on the sofa and I don't know why I made myself sort of slightly American. Now. I can't, I can't even do my old elderly accent in a British accent. <laughs> You have to channel your inner Mary Berry. That's what you have to do. <laughs> Admittedly, my own voice sounds similar to that, really. My accent is so weirdly posh. Uh, oh, my goodness. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. So, some of your thoughts on that, Fran, in terms of, like, old age and how it shapes uh, someone through the lens of Katara and Legend of Korra. I suppose in that case, it's... It's sort of like when people mention how they don't understand why, like, Zuko, Katara, and Toph weren't members of the White Lotus and still kind of being greatly involved. And it just makes me think of that quote from Toph of, like, some at some point you've just got to leave it to the kids. And I think that just makes me think that's what Katara did. Like, she... Her entire life was in wartime and the aftermath of wartime and at 14 15 years old and however long it took really to bring a sense of balance and restoration to the world after the war that she as a teenager was deeply involved with doing that after a while it's kind of like what they said to do with like ang like the reason why he dies quite young is because of everything that happened with him in the iceberg and the hundred years that sort of aspect didn't help at all mm. i think something similar happened to Katara like she had to grow up so quickly she went through all this trauma and this devastation that as she grew older and like when she lost Sokka when she lost Aang and 
um, all these people that she knew in her life, it's kind of going to make you tired. You're going to eventually just want to step back, leave it to others because you you need a break. I think this is something that I said in my videos where like the girl deserves a break. She's done mm. so much in her life. She's had so much happen in her life that she deserves to have a holiday like a, a decade long <laughs> holiday um just she's like bilbo in lord of the rings it's just yes like, i need a very long holiday <laughs> <laughs> exactly like literally that is what she needs she needs a holiday because of everything that she went through like she has not been able to be a kid and now that she's old she it's like she's extra old because she was already like an adult as a child so when she's old now it's like she was like this the entire time and finally she can take a break um at the end of her life which is really sad to think about but yeah that's kind of how i think of it it's just the reason why she's so stepped back is because she she needs this time to chill <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i i definitely agree and i i mean i i think the lens that i really kind of uh, look through it as is both of my both of my grandfathers um, they fought in World War II mm. and they were very young when uh, they uh, were drafted and I, I, I think again like you said like when you experience things like that when you experience traumatic events um, that really shapes you and it really kind of weighs on you there was definitely a weight that I remember seeing in both of my grandfathers when they were uh, kind of nearing uh, their end of their lives that you could tell just, I mean, my, my one grandfather grew up as a street kid and would steal coal from like the back of a train to be able to pay for food for some of his family. And my other grandfather had to just deal with all of the aftermath of being involved in some of like the most intense fights in World War II. Mm. And I, I think that that really kind of, like you said perfectly, I think is that it you're tired. Yeah. And I think that it's this idea of just like, you recognize that you did a lot with your time. And I think that that's what Katara really did. I mean, again, she was looking after Sokka after their mom passed away. And when her father left the village, she was taking care of him. She was looking out for so many others in the village. And then immediately after that is uh, in the course of a year, training Aang, gathering forces and helping end a hundred year conflict. And then after that, it's not like they got to rest after that. We see in the comics how much work there is still left to be done and how it is not something that you necessarily can just be like, okay, well, you know, just like that was good. And like, now we can kind of rest. You get the sense that the amount of progress that we see to get to the point where we're at in Legend of Korra, the mm. technological progress, the societal and cultural progress that has happened with the southern water tribe with republic city that is the result of incredibly hard work from mm. all of the members of the gang and i think that that is why especially we see that they don't take these big roles because you know what 
after you've put in that work, after you've like helped create this massive modern age city in the course of, you know, less than 70 years and you have brought peace to the world after all mm-hmm. of this. Yeah. You want to relax. You want to be able to chill and be able to kind of enjoy the fruits of the, of that labor. Um, and understanding that you have kind of helped mold a world where even if things are going to go wrong, that there are young people who are going to be able to take up the torch and be inspired by the actions that you uh, did when you were younger um, mm. and kind of go from there. Totally. And I think it's it's something that's just really interesting. Like what you said with the technological advancements. It's kind of like, it's like the millennial generation are known as the nostalgic generation because there was so much techno- technology that was changing year after year after year with us growing up with it that now we're kind of like, oh, what, what is life now? Everything is just constantly changing. We remember this, but that doesn't exist anymore because we now have this. So it kind of has that sort of same feel in a sense, just age-wise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that kind of transitions us into kind of this this next point. We kind of touched on it a little bit, but it the idea of Katara living in a new and modern world and especially coming from a place where she lived in a village that was like 12 people, maybe like a little bit more than that. And how that kind of, I, I don't know, the... The, the sense of like when you were living in a new and modern world where there is so much happening, there's so much noise and mm. there is so much that has changed. How much of an impact do you think that you can really have in something like that? And that's what I kind of want to examine next and keeping looking at it through that lens of mm. how Katara, maybe how this has influenced her role in Korra because of this new and modern world. Yeah. I think they're kind of... I, I don't know the North and South graphic novel well, but I do know that she was this sort of the beginning of the industrialization of the South with the North's involvement and how Katara was almost kind of completely against that in, in many different ways. I, I can't remember them exactly. But I feel like that probably would have had an effect in some form of how modern everything became in such a short period of time in that in terms of her bending like obviously we know that she becomes a healer just because obviously she she was more of a healer than anything else really and that was like that was her area that's where she was like the boss at and I think in the sense that's may have what happened with the whole modernization and the south becoming almost self-sufficient in the way that you don't need benders to the level in which it's needed everywhere else like everyone who is a non-bender or a bender can live easily with work with a good life in the south bending or not and similar to um i'm trying to think of uh sort of like the whole amon situation in republic city of non-benders feeling like they do not have the same uh level of rights and skills and work levels and such as benders i feel could have been something that happened in the south that may have led to katara just kind of stepping back not with like her bending but just stepping back as a whole and not 
getting too involved in that modernization because she knew it was something more for the non-benders than it was for the benders and maybe that's even why it led to her becoming more focused on healing than anything else because that is something that would always be needed people would always need healers but they don't always need fighters and benders for everything because they're now self-sufficient um i don't know if that's true but it's something that just kind of came into my head randomly and i didn't know i was going to say that but it's been said now <laughs> and hopefully made sense <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and you know i i think that um another point that we kind of have to consider and i think where a lot of also the arguments kind of come from in terms of you know we obviously know that katara is a healer um and everything but we see a scene in the waterbending master when katara wants to train under master paku and he sends her to go you know learn with learn with the healers with the other women and just kind mm. of this incredibly it, just the way that it's kind of like you know it, it, in a way that katara goes down there and she's like no i want to i want to be able to fight and she goes to this class however and she does learn something and she has this meaningful interaction between this woman who recognizes the betrothal necklace on uh, around uh Cora's ne- or not Cora around Katara's neck and that it belonged to her grandmother and that kind of leads us into something we have to really kind of consider in the parallels between Katara and Grand Grand and at the very beginning of Avatar the Last Airbender we see that Grand Grand is obviously looking out for the village in a in, in a big way she is just you know really kind of uh wanting to see what is best um she kind of sees ang coming in and the potential threat of the fire nation like taking it very seriously but when the fire nation approaches yes grand grand is not a bender but you see the extent of her role kind of steps like it ends there and Mm. when the fire nation invades it is Sokka who is stepping up to the plate to be able to confront them and when Katara and Sokka leave she gives them advice and kind of sends them off with these words of wisdom and again so much of we as humans are informed by either our parents or our grandparents on how we kind of the the blueprint for how we kind of act as adults, as parents, as grandparents, we kind of learn from those examples. And I think that that's what we see in Katara. Um, So I want to get your thoughts on kind of these comparisons. We don't see much of grand grand, but the, parallels between Katara and Grand Grand. I think it's it's kind of like you said that they do have very large similarities in that Grand Grand in a sense takes this step back and sort of not like retires herself but kind of retires herself when she sends Katara and Sokka off with those words of wisdom with the sleeping bag still having that caring nature of giving them something that they hadn't prepared for and was kind of like making sure that they were going to be okay um sort of like the uh the pokemon mother before she sends the child off on a <laughs> whirlwind adventure with literally nothing else and just expects them to live but um 
she kind of has that moment and we don't really know what happens but we assume that she continues on this role of being this sort of caregiver character to the tribe while they await firstly for the like the the husbands and the soldiers to return because they've been gone for many years but also for her is to wait for her grandchildren to return one day as well with the hope that whatever they've set out to do they have been successful in some form but she has that similar nature to what Toph says which is she herself is letting the kids get on with it because they are the ones who can do something she's not only grown older but she has also only ever lived in wartime and her children are seeing hope in this in Aang and they are latching onto it and they want to fight they have this fighting nature that maybe she's lost over her time of seeing her friends and her family be lost to the fire nation um so i think that's similar in a sense to katara in that she has gone through so much that now not only is she leaving it to the kids but she is taking this step back because she's been through so much that she she needs that and she knows that she can't really offer anything else except for being that calming healing presence of mm. firstly actually being a healer in that case but also being the person who can offer advice like the advice that she offers Cora during uh, during Cora alone of mm. it she's both has physical and mental blocks at that point and she she kind of has to she has to keep going she's got to she knows it's a struggle but she can do this so kind of giving her that sort of boost up that she needed for that initial step um and the pride that she has on her face as well when she's doing that i think kind of shows that she has that grand grand sort of pride nature in the kids that she's seeing become this new generation of heroes in a sense definitely very well put um all right so I kind of want to wrap things up with just some final thoughts. Um, mm. I'm going to kind of give some of my overall thoughts, have you kind of uh, give some of yours, and uh, and then we'll kind of uh, begin to wrap it up. Um, so again, one of the big reasons why I wanted to do this whole discussion was that, uh, again, from the conversation that Susan, Kevin, and I had uh, from last week's episode in Civil Wars Part 2, of this idea of seeing... Tenzin, Kaya, and Bumi looking back at their childhood and how it wasn't this necessarily perfect childhood growing up. And again, I think a lot of the things we have to remember is Katara and Aang and what they had to deal with, the world that they were living in, the work that had to be done to create this world that we see in Legend of Korra. After wartime can be something that can either fall into greater ruin or lead to an era of prosperity. And the reason that we see this era of prosperity, especially going into Legend of Korra, is because of the hard work that the entire gang does to leave this better world than what they grew up in. And Katara very much was a part of that. She helped raise Bumi, Tenzin, and Kaya to be the people that they are. They could have turned out to be little shits. 
<laughs> and you know how much of a pushover that Aang is. So we know that their kind of respect and the way that they view right and wrong was heavily influenced by Katara, just in the values mm. that we have seen her show in Avatar The Last Airbender. And that can't be understated. And finally, Katara, at this point, she's old. And I think there is an acceptance being okay with not being in the center stage, even when that wasn't even her prerogative originally. But understanding the way that she fits in this world, how she can help, and leaning into that, and not grabbing for the spotlight. Um, but uh, yeah, those are my final thoughts. Uh, let's let's hear from you, Fran. What you got? Well, nothing as articulate as that because <laughs> all I was thinking through the whole time was like, my final thought is literally just let Katara have a holiday, guys. <laughs> that That's all this woman wants. She's had to fight a war. She's had to deal with the aftermath. Let her have a bloody holiday and not have to deal with teenagers. Teenagers. Oh, teenagers. That's. She deserves a break. She's had to, she's had to raise kids. Kaya is a free spirit. Boomy is boomy. Tenzin is Tenzin. <laughs> she's had to put up with her grandkids. She knows she's going to literally live until she sees her great grandchildren born. She's got a lot of life to live. Let her just have a break. <laughs> Let her just chill. Let her go to the Mystic Palms. Whatever. Stop making her want to fight. She doesn't want to. <laughs> she wants to have... A glass of wine and sit back in a chair and just reminisce about life and think, my God, a 14 year old girl helped stop a war. Genius. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for painting such a beautiful mental picture with that. I just love seeing <laughs> Katara just kicked back with uh with a glass of wine there. I love it. And just she doesn't even need to lift the glass. Girl can just water bend that wine right into her mouth. <laughs> oh my god. Literally. <laughs> just swirl that little like a little ball of wine in the air, just like I saved the goddamn world. <laughs> Schlep. <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. Well, Fran, thank you so much for uh, joining me for this discussion today. This was absolutely wonderful. I have such a blast always talking with you. Yeah. I'm a delight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Fran, can you uh, can you tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can find this video, and how they can uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, so if you guys want to watch what bleh, if you guys want to watch this video, it is on my YouTube channel, a Healthy Dose of Fran, or I think you can just probably search Katara wasn't disrespected and that will probably be one of the first things that pops up. Um if you wanna follow me on my social media, I am at a healthy dose of Fran on Instagram and at a dose of Fran on Twitter. Um and I think is that all I have? To, yeah, that's all I have. I've got, I've got my YouTube and I've got my social medias. Um, and yeah, so I have updates there. So that's fun. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, guys, be sure to uh, check out some of Fran's content. 
Uh, and if you like what you see too, uh, hit that subscribe button. Uh, you did but, it better but, than me. I didn't. I forgot to say that. <laughs> like, yeah, you just get, search for me and it'll be fine. You don't need to do anything else. No, please subscribe, guys. I... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think your content would speak for itself. So I think that uh, that would be a good uh, good entry point anyway. Um, but uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. You can, of course, find us on all those social medias. We are at Legend of Portal Cast on Facebook and Instagram, Portalcast Pod on Twitter. You can find us on our website, legendofportalcast.com. And of course, all those good listening places, uh, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify. And if you're there and if you like what you hear, feel free to leave us a review. It helps other folks find us. We really appreciate it. And if you have some thoughts about this, if you want to get in on the discussion on this, uh, send us an email at legendofportalcast.com at gmail.com we'd love to hear your takes on this uh to be able to uh kind of get a greater sense of an opinion uh who knows we might do a follow-up episode regarding some of that um but guys thank you so much for tuning in thanks for your support um and uh, for the love of god let katara have a holiday um (laughs) and uh until next time folks uh have a great week and we'll see you in a week and until then and let us leave.